The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Today, expert knowledge is so highly valued that we learn to lead first as the expert whose mastery of the details helps teams solve problems. Eventually, as your leadership role expands, expert leaders find themselves in a role where others know more. Details are no longer so accessible, and decisions are made without a full understanding. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. It's time to find out how to make the transformation smooth and flawless. Now, here is Dr. Wanda Wallace. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. I'm your host, Wanda Wallace. With me today is Tyler Durham. Uh, Tyler is president of Ketchum Change, which means that he oversees the global business of change and workforce communications around the world. So North America, EMEA, and APAC. So Tyler, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Wanda. It's a pleasure to be here. So today, we're starting a whole new sequence on talking about communications. And Tyler, you've been helping companies for a long time focus on their communication and maximize the impact of what they say, particularly in times of change. So let's start with your experience of change at the top. Um, What works and what doesn't work in your view for organizations today? Yeah, thanks, Wanda. And it's a great question. And I think that we'll talk about the context has certainly been shifting in the past few years with regard to what's working. And I'd say that one of the things that's most interesting is that um, what's working often hasn't been defined yet, given how quickly technologies and speed and expectations are evolving in the marketplace. So I'd say that the first thing is to understand that we're constantly living in a new era where the mindset has to be, let's try new things and test it and see if it's working um, with regard to both communications and leadership in these dynamic times. But having done this for over 20 years now, there are certain fundamental truths that I've begun to see with regard to what does work. And um, I think the top two for me with regard to things that really help leaders and organizations lead change well and communicate effectively are building sustained, aligned, and visible support among the leadership team. Um, Leaders have the most impact with regard to what they do, formally and informally, in an organization. And then the second piece is that they need to provide a very clear and inspiring picture of the desired future state or, or vision for where they're wanting to go so that employees can help, A, achieve that, but, B, make some decisions when leaders aren't around that are in tune to that vision. So a clear and inspiring picture. I can't tell you how many times I hear from people who are in my programs and whom I'm coaching that some change initiative has been announced and the skepticism about that change initiative is unbelievable, let alone the panic that comes with it. So what makes for an inspiring message around change? Yeah, that's that's a that is a great one. And I think that recently we've heard a, a lot in, uh, particularly around that it's easy to talk about what we're going to do 
and how we're going to do it um, and the mechanics of change, what we often miss is the emotional relevance piece and the piece that touches individual employees' hearts and minds and emotionally connects them to the purpose for that change, and that's the why. And why is this change necessary? How is it important for the ongoing success and advantage of the organization? How does that translate to individual success and growth and performance? And then underpinning much of that is how and why this is in tune with both the organization's strategy and, most importantly, their core beliefs and their values. Um, As people are experiencing more and more change today, they want to understand what a company stands for, what it believes in, and is it keeping its word with regard to those commitments. Right. So let me go back to the top of it. And then I want to come back to the emotional connection part. But let me start. You said that most times people are communicating what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. I find sometimes that's what leads to frustration because the how is either inadequate to actually really get the problem done or the how is so dictatorial people feel they have no control over the how. What's your experience on the what and the how? That's a we are at an interesting crossroad with regard to what um, what's traditionally worked well, where much of the plan has been constructed and architected and baked from the center, and then it begins to be rolled out. And fundamentally, as organizations, particularly large global or complex organizations, and sometimes they don't even have to be that large, but the idea is that we need to think through how we can help co-create that environment and that change for a host of reasons. One is that psychologically, uh, I believe that involvement equals commitment. And that as we involve people in helping to shape the future and they're able to provide feedback and input and ideas, they're more likely to connect with what's happening and why we're doing this and accelerate the adoption of new behaviors or ways of working or um, attachment to that strategy and vision. So I think that's one piece. The second piece is that more often than not, some of the best ideas come from those who are closest to our customers or to the opportunities or to the challenges. And activating a highly effective, what I often call nervous system of an organization to be able to get to those ideas and use it to inform a change strategy and plan is really important these days. Interesting. We had an earlier uh, guest, uh, Jim Kinsella, who was talking about the power of leading when you're not the expert and the notion that if there's a particular point of pain within some area of the organization, something that isn't going well, that as CEO to go and sit with the person who's doing that, not to become the expert, but to understand why it's hard, what's not working, why it's not working. And that's the same as what I think you mean by getting close to the nervous system of the organization. Okay, so let's go back to this notion of the emotional connection. Um, I happen to believe with you. In fact, I happen to believe that communication, if it isn't emotional, isn't effective. We can debate that one. But you say that what we miss often when leaders are communicating about change is the emotional relevance. Can, Can you give me an example, either pro or con? 
Yeah, I think, and this uh, this is a bit dated, but I think it's a it it really highlights the point. And so, if and, and maybe it will also protect our our current leaders and and organizations who are grappling with great ways to do this. But as the recession really began to hit uh, in the late two thousands, and organizations had to make some tough decisions about how they were beginning to align cost to revenue, we saw a number of different layoffs. And there were a number of different organizations who were communicating that in forms that we were able to see. And in that time, Yahoo, um, we'll take an example of Yahoo versus Zappos at the time. And Yahoo sent out a, a quite long email that had a lot of corporate speak to it. Um, and it was not until probably the third or fourth paragraph in the communication that it got to the point that we were actually laying people off. And so it lacked the heart of we had to make some really difficult decisions. By contrast, a much shorter email was delivered by the CEO of Zappos. And I'll just read you the opening line because I think it's so powerful. And he said, today has been a tough emotional day for everyone at Zappos. We made the hard choice of laying off about 8% of our employees. So as opposed to having to do some, some strategic documents and numbers and then get to the actual facts and that it was a difficult human decision, um, I think that's a really great example of how we can be more emotionally relevant with some of our communications, particularly around some of the more tough decisions that leaders have to make. So, Tyler, you're talking about leaders when they're communicating about change, admitting their own vulnerabilities, um, their concerns, their emotions around the change. Is that true? Uh, indeed. You know, we, there's probably no lonelier job than a senior executive in an organization, and oftentimes people don't get to see the full humanity of those people. And that's what needs to come through more importantly than ever in today's society, the idea that we are fundamentally um, good-willed people trying to do the best we can, and that needs to come through in our communications. Okay. All right, so any other examples? Can you go too far on that showing humanity? Yeah, I think that's a great point, Wanda, and I think that there is, um, you know, and maybe what I would say is that trying to be too transparent or being too human um, is is difficult because it, it, we sit at a tough intersection between art and science of having to manage businesses um, and, and produce some type of economic benefit through those businesses, particularly if they're managed by capital markets. Um, and then those with regard to how we um, that being a little bit too emotional for what that looks like. And I, I often share, particularly when I'm coaching leaders in this regard, that I've never seen a definition of leadership that included the word um, to be liked. But it does include being fair and respected. And that means that you've been thoughtful, you've been respectful for how you treat people and the experience of how they may um, be impacted by either a positive or a negative decision. So that, that may be a good way to try to balance it. Yeah. I am um, I take a little sidestep here. I'm fascinated with this notion of the ability to show vulnerability, um, partly influenced by the work of Brene Brown or her TED Talks, I should say. Mm -hmm. But the notion that we connect with each other when we are vulnerable, when we're showing the real side, the side we're afraid to show to other people. 
So many times when I'm working with people in the middle levels and the upper levels of organization who are looking to raise their career up and take the next step, they are so worried about showing any vulnerability. And by that, I mean admitting a mistake, saying, I don't know. Just that simple bit of vulnerability. And I get worried that we're ineffective in communicating and reaching other people because we're not allowing that human vulnerability to come through. I think it's it is a it's a sound concern, and particularly with regard to the expectations that are placed on leaders today, and how um, how much scrutiny the, there is of a leader, and how competitive it is to stay a leader. Um, it, it, it's a it's a what I often call a good struggle for leaders to think through how to maintain that balance. And, and I agree. We, I think we'll talk later in our show about some research that we've done, and, and one of the most compelling attributes when people perceive a strong leader is that they do communicate in an open and transparent way um, and, and understand and connect with their audiences with regard to what that um, experience is. And I, I love Brene Brown's work as well, too. I think it's, we would all benefit as leaders to watch that um, probably several times to let that fully sink into our psyche and the way that we behave as leaders. It's scary, though, as a leader to do that because there's going to be a lot of critique of it, and that's the whole point of it. Um, I want to come backwards in something that you said right back at the very beginning about this notion that the change in technology, and we don't yet really know what makes for great communication about change because of the changes in technology. And the example I'm going to give is one of my clients um, working with them around uh, gender and inclusivity issues. And I've been quite surprised at their lack of understanding about what can get said about them as a company on the Internet and whether that can have a broad impact or not a broad impact. So what's your view about all the publicly available sites and complaints and blogs and how much impact is that having on companies? Um, I, I think we it has put us into... Um, an entirely new era with regard to where we rest as leaders and communicators. We live in a, a hyper-connected era um, where networks are tightly integrated and that they rule. The planet continues to get smaller thanks to both advances in transportation and technology, education, and just global access to capital flows. And the pace of improving technology continues to accelerate. So we, we are indeed at a, a point where speed um, and access has become both a leader's best friend as well as their worst enemy. Um, the idea that leaders can wait um, for decisions to be made by a committee at the top and then trickled out into an organization, or vice versa, that they can't have very acute listening mechanisms to understand the context and the relevance this is having in the marketplace today is an outdated notion. And in fact, uh, many organizations, I believe, um, the, the rapidly changing situations and opportunities that they face today often outpace both the the capability and the speed of that organization's ability to communicate and deal with it in today's global and complex environment. 
So it outpaces the speed and capability to communicate. So what's your advice then to leaders who find themselves in a pace of change that they can't keep up with? Sure. Um, so, so a couple of things. One is I, I believe that we've been given two ears and two eyes and only one mouth for one reason, and that is is that we need to really listen. And I, I believe that that ability to both listen to con- consumers or clients or prospects on the outside of our organizations and to really listen to our employees and those people that we would like to come work for us is really, really important today. Um, as opposed to thinking that we actually control the message, we're actually shaping, influencing, and engaging in a conversation, which is so important. And that's a that's a big mindset shift for a lot of leaders who grew up in an era where it wasn't quite that way. Um, so that would it certainly be one piece, and I think it speaks to your earlier comment that it, it uh, leadership doesn't mean being the smartest man or woman in a room anymore. It means gathering the smartest group of people that you can find and helping to unlock their potential and their promise and their great ideas and setting the conditions for that to happen. And in many ways, that's what a great communication infrastructure, both formal and informal, can do for an organization. Okay. All right. Just before we talk, I love this notion that instead of cascading a message down through the organization, what we're looking for is engaging a conversation and recognizing that we don't control that message the way we used to control that message. Boy, does that change the way we think about communication. Um, Tyler, I know you have a metaphor that you like to use about the tra- this transformation. You, you want to describe it to us? I'd, lo- I'd love to. It, it, it really is one of the things I'm most passionate about today in helping both organizations and individual leaders be successful in the environment. And the idea is I, I am trying to eradicate the word cascade from our lexicon of how we communicate in organizations. And I'll explain why. And, and the metaphor is that I believe that a cascade, the way that an employee experiences a cascade, is very much like sitting at the bottom of Niagara Falls or Victoria Falls or any great waterfall around the world. And so if you deconstruct that just a little bit, oftentimes senior leaders in an organization get to sit in the much more tranquil waters well above the actual waterfall itself. And they're dealing with information, making decisions, setting strategy. They get to see clearly the context of everything that lies ahead. And then they decide all of a sudden that it's time for us to communicate this to the organization. And they develop um, a number of different channels for it to begin to move its way quickly into the organization. Um, and then there's a moment in time where literally just a, a large amount of information moves out into the organization, thus the cascade. And as an employee, you're already working hard to deliver on your responsibilities and commitments to whatever your role is. And there's a lot of information each day that you must make matter with, if you will, or, or, or meaning with. And then suddenly you're hit with all of this additional information, and it feels overwhelming, and it's tough to stay in that spot. And then what happens oftentimes is the euphoria or the moment of all that communication washes downstream. So employees are then in a little bit calmer place, and they're wondering, well, well what now? And is this working? And am I supposed to continue to do anything differently? And I find that that's just an outdated mode with regard to, and I still see a lot of organizations do it, 
Um, and I often use another a phrase that I often see many organizations do. Call it I call it spray and pray, where they they push messages out a bunch of different channels, and they they hope that it's working because they're not actually a measuring whether it's working, um, and they're not having the follow up conversations and the dialogue around that. That takes me to where I think an, an evolved state might be, and and the visual image there is that communication would look much like an elegant fountain. And the information has had time at the top for it to be formed, um, but the top of a fountain is typically the smallest part of um, that system. And you'll see that it's transparent. You'll see that it's aligned with regards to the leaders, what it looks like and how it's shared. And it begins to find its way into the organization and sit at different levels where people are able to have conversations, dialogue, and make meaning of that information. And then it continues to move down into deeper parts of the organization and has real relevance to those individuals. But the most important part of that is that that water recirculates into the fountain. So those good ideas and the discussions come back up and bubble up to the top and keep the continuous system of improvement going. Fabulous. I love this metaphor. So the notion of what not to do is the cascade. Think carefully, quietly, privately in the calm waters and then barrage the organization with a bunch of water and hope that they figure out what that means. Neither do you want to spray and pray, but instead you want this notion of a fountain where people have the time to make meaning and determine the relevance and to recirculate that and have that impact the ways in which next follow-on communications come. Fabulous image. Tyler, great notion, great start on this one. And the notion that communic- effective communication, particularly around times of change, starts to look much more like a dialogue and less like, as you say, a cascade, a word you want to drop. When we come back, I want to spend some time talking about the research that you do at Ketchum and what it is that people are expecting within the organization from their leaders. So we'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you want more information on the coaching and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. If you are interested in finding out more, you can also purchase a copy of the forthcoming book or any of Dr. Wallace's current books by clicking on the links under the resources tab on our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're also sure to find some handy links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace 
at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. I'm your host, Wanda Wallace, and with me today is Tyler Durham. Tyler is president of Ketchum Change, and we have been talking about the ways in which Tyler sees organizations and leaders communicate about times of change, what goes wrong with that, and what doesn't. Just before the break, Tyler was talking about the need for communication to look less like Niagara Falls and a lot more like a fountain, where information is aligned, it's transparent, there is more activity at the bottom than there is at the top, and it's recirculated. And Tyler, that brings us directly onto some of the research that you have been doing at Ketchum, particularly on leadership and change and communication. You had 6,000 respondents in 12 countries this particular year. What's the core message that comes out of that research, particularly in terms of communication and leadership? Yeah, absolutely. And it uh, for the fourth year in a row, we've done this research and we've looked to the respondents to help us understand the views of effective leadership, effective communication, and the link between the two. And two things really rose to the top this year. The, the first is the idea of, of leading at the speed of now. And when you think about the unprecedented volatility and continuous expectations of immediacy in today's workforce and marketplace, the world demands leadership at the speed of now and and a faster clock speed with regard to their ability to communicate and listen in organizations. Uh, So that's one piece that rose to the top. The the second is, is that for the fourth year in a row, we've really witnessed a global crisis in leadership. And that crisis is that when we ask people how effectively leaders around the world were doing, the public remains deeply disappointed. Only 24% globally of the respondents believe that leaders overall are effective. And so when you put these together, um, which then means that um, you know, they're, they're really looking for stronger leadership than the world's providing right now. And as you put that together, there's a rising support for a concept of shared leadership, which underscores our findings that leaders no longer reside at the top of an organization, and they don't necessarily have to possess traditional leadership titles. Um, and it also um, begins to redefine um, our expectations and definitions for leadership and communication. So redefine our definition. So I find this a fascinating contrast in some ways um, that we think that there's not enough strong leadership, that only, well, 24% think it's effective. So that means a bunch, 76% think we don't have strong leadership. Yet at the same time, we don't, we want more shared leadership. Can you reconcile those two? Yes, sure thing. Uh, One of the interesting findings is, so given that people are dissatisfied and disappointed in the leadership that they're seeing, we asked where did they expect to see that leadership come from? And we asked about different roles of an organization. And interestingly, twice as many respondents felt that leadership should come from the organization and all of its employees as opposed to just the CEO or senior management teams. So the idea is that where traditionally we've thought as leadership is those people who nested at the top of an organization chart. The public today um, and employees increasingly are expecting leaders to be at all levels of an organization, 
And it doesn't matter if you carry the title that's traditionally associated with the leader. Um, the expectation is that um, many people in the entire organization would begin to exhibit the qualities of a strong organization and of an individual leader. All right. Now, so this has huge implications for communication. Before I go there, let's come back to this notion of leaders at all levels and what organizations employees want is leadership, not at the management team, but from the middle of the organization or the bottom of the organization. You know, empowerment, the notion of empowering people, of pushing responsibility down, accountability down has been around for decades. Is this anything different? Um, it isn't much different except that the need is more intense and I think the speed at which we have to change both mindset and operating systems of organizations to do that requires an evaluation of, of are we able to do that for two reasons. One is it was. It's often you heard the terms "let's get some buy-in" or "let's help people understand and be aware." That that's great, um, and those are still necessary components. But increasingly, our ability to engage um, and involve and empower people um, as part of that process where we used to think that that took some time and it was a natural part of the state has to be much quicker um, and syndicated more deeply inside of an organization than ever before. So I think that's a, a piece that the context has shifted with regard to the expectations of what that looks like. So syndicated much deeper. So it's no longer okay that I get the buy-in of a handful of people reporting to a few key stakeholders. I really do have to get the buy-in, the support, the engagement of mostly the entire organization. Is that a fair summary? I think it's a, a, a super summary, and I think the thing that I would add to that is there are, there are people in organizations who may not have a leadership title but who have great influence in the organization, too. We, we all have experienced those leaders even in our personal life or we've witnessed this happening as we've worked with clients. It's, it's the people that after a town hall meeting or after a large communication announcement has been made that many people go to to sense check and to understand how they felt about it. And much of their energy and their interpretation of that information really begins to influence people's behaviors and their perceptions of it at lower levels in the organization. So it's also around the, the informal networks that are in organizations that are equally important as the formal networks are. Yeah. I've often believed all the decisions are actually made through the informal system, not through the formal one. Um, you are reminding me of a dear friend, Eamon Rajan, who did a piece of work many years ago on why change isn't working. And he has this lovely graph describing the distribution of reactions to change, where the bulk of the people sit in the middle and say, in effect, I'll wait and see. Mm -hmm. um, and my argument has always been in communication, it was more important to tackle the people who were saying, I'll wait and see, than it was to worry about the naysayers, that they were actually the small minority. And it's that mass in the middle that remain, they want to be convinced. Um, and if you don't convince them, somebody else will. You're saying sort of the same thing here is that you're, you need to be attuned to who the influencers are within the organization and how they're reacting and what they're saying and how engaged they are in the messages. 
That's absolutely right. And you know, a leader can't expect that they have enough influence if they're sitting at the top in a corporate headquarters or, or even being a bit more of a shuttle diplomat moving around the organization that they can um, personally connect with and help people bring meaning to and find commitment to what the strategy is or the change may be. And that there are indeed people who can work through that, you know, thawed, I mean, and begin to thaw out that frozen middle, if you will, that often is very naturally um, distributed with regard to the numbers that are people that are waiting to see, is this going to be, how will it impact me? Is it going to be positive for me individually and as my team and my function and my company? And we can accelerate that by using some more progressive means of both formal and informal leaders. Okay, so let's come back to what all of this means for communication. So I get the sense from listening to you and from seeing it myself is as much as we say the speed has accelerated, it's accelerated, I think, more than we all recognize. So I love this phrase, the speed of now, that the speed of now requires that I am communicating and listening. So I'm back to the fountain metaphor where things are coming up and down and circulating and being made relevant in the massive numbers. We have added to that that people want to be led. They think there's inadequate leadership, but they want that leadership to come from within the organization, from even the bottom of the organization, not always from the top. Mm-hmm. This has enormous implications for how we train leaders to communicate. So what stands out as a communications expert here for you is the top three or four things to do differently? Yeah, I, I, I think it really, uh, I, I would say that one of most importantly, um, and, and I, I love the, the dean of Harvard Business School has a great phrase that I often borrow, and he says that communication is the real work of leadership. And I think all too often leaders or seasoned managers are moved up in an organization and promoted and given more responsibility and accountability because of of, of technical competencies or functional competencies. And they begin to think because of that, then by, by default, continuing to build their communication muscle and their ability there um, is, is something that they may not continue to work on as much. And so I think just being aware of and cognizant that a leader's responsibility nearly prim- primarily, besides making some of the tough decisions and, and helping to make smart decisions and strategic choices and analyze things, is to communicate, to communicate really effectively and well. Um, and that that is not a function in an organization where all too often it's, oh, well, the corporate communications function will do that. Or I assume that someone else is going to do that, that that is a, an incumbent leadership responsibility. I think that that's one of the best things that a leader can do today. Um, And and so I'll I'll stop there because that might be interestingly enough to talk about for a second. It is fascinating to talk about because when I talk about expert leaders that have been or taken on larger and larger roles and they're still leading from their base of expertise – they see their real value as add to the organization as their expertise, their ability to know the details, to be right about the details, and to communicate those details. Okay, so hence they're leading as experts. 
The moment somebody steps outside that expertise to lead in a different realm, to be out of their comfort zone, in effect, there's this crisis of value. What is it that I am doing that is valuable to the organization? I don't understand. All I do is go to meetings all day. Can't anybody go? Um, And they fail to understand all the other stuff that needs to happen that really makes the organization run that they're no longer in the doer seat, they're in an enabler seat. And that's exactly what you're describing here. I love that quote, that communication is the real work of leadership. That if you saw your value add is the quality of the communications, it would change how you feel you're adding value to the organization. Absolutely. And and our, our research, we do a lot of work with our research arm at Ketchum to understand what is the value of effective communication. And time and time again, there is such a strong correlation between really important business outcomes that a leader needs to be focused on and can help drive and and strong communication. So, for example, if if an organization's leaders are viewed as effective communicators, their employees are more likely to stay at that organization. They are more likely to recommend their friends and families to work at that organization. They're more likely to recommend the products and services. They are more likely to defend that organization if it gets into an issue or crisis. So some really important outcomes um, that you want your employees to have are driven um, quite importantly, by strong communication. Boy, could we see a lot about some recent crises in the last seven years around um, confidence in organizations, uh, pride in working for organizations, and the communication that has been going on within that organization. Very interesting component. So is there any one last, is there anything else that we need to do besides focus on the effectiveness of the communication? Anything else that needs to change in this pace of change? Yeah, I think, um, I know that our, our last part of our conversation today, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, the underpinnings of some of this, but the other, and it's a, an illusion from what I had in the, the earlier part of our discussion is that I fundamentally believe that as as it becomes more difficult for organizations to both seize and maintain competitive advantage, that one of the most important questions a leader can ask himself, his leader, his or her leadership team, and then the organization is, can you change as fast as the world around you? And when you begin to think through that we're building the capability to do that and how important communications plays a role and connecting to the employees about why we need to continue to innovate and change um, and be adaptive and responsible, that's important because the organizations that do that well will indeed be rewarded, whether that's you know more purchases at a cash register, um, better reputation, greater employee engagement, deeper customer loyalty, or, or better discussion amongst that, that organization online. Um, but most importantly, what they'll be able to do is to sustainably turn great ideas into new products or services that are both consistent with their values and brand, 
while also delighting their customers, their employees, and their prospects. And that, to me, is the return on leading at the speed of now. Okay, so employees and prospects. Very interesting. I don't think we spend enough time thinking about the reputational factors that exist with potential employees and therefore potential customers as well. And you're highlighting it there. So if I come back to the top of this one, and just to summarize the theme that comes through for this particular segment, 6,000 respondents, 12 companies, countries, excuse me, what we're really looking for as employees and companies are leaders that can, don't have to sit at the top of the organization. Leaders that can lead, but that they encourage a conversation in the bottom and in the middle of the organization, ideas to bubble up, back to your fountain idea from earlier, um, and that they see their job as effective communication, communication up and down the organization, communication that finds ideas, and communication that understands how to act quickly on those ideas. And so, hence, you've called this, I think, the title-free leader Correct. That's right. And I think your, your summary is right on. I, and I would say that, and I would invite listeners to your show to feel free to, to go to Ketchum's website. And the, the study is there. I think that just to, to add two pieces to punctuate your summary there is when we ask those global respondents, what attributes do they see as making a great individual leader? Number one was leading by example. Number two was communicating in an open and transparent way. So imagine the power of aligning our words with our actions and then also um, being human and open with regard to how we communicate. All right. And here we are back to that notion of human, the emotionality and the vulnerability. We're going to take a break. When we come back, um, Tyler and I are going to talk a little bit more about this notion of liquid change and what it means for organizations. In particular, I want to pick up on this notion of how do you do transparency given all the complexities of today's global organizations. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you want more information on the coaching and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. If you are interested in finding out more, you can also purchase a copy of the forthcoming book or any of Dr. Wallace's current books by clicking on the links under the resources tab on our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're also sure to find some handy links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, Call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. 
Welcome back. I'm Wanda Wallace and I'm with Tyler Durham from Ketchum Change. We've been talking about change, expectations organizations have of their leaders, and communication. And the three all tie very nicely together, meaning that to lead is to lead through change. And the way you lead through change is fundamentally about your communication. Tyler, I'm going to come back to a quote that you gave from the Harvard Business School dean that says, the real work of leadership is communication. A powerful statement in and of itself. Now, just as we were leaving that last segment, we were you were talking about the attributes that the Ketchum research identifies that people want in their leaders, particularly in times of change. And you have a couple of others of those as you talk about liquid change, for example. First, explain to us what liquid change means, and then tell us what these attributes mean as well. Certainly. I think that it starts with a fundamental premise that uh, change is no longer an event. Change is a constant. It, it is the new normal, and it's only going to accelerate. I, I often share with clients that do we believe that change will never be slower than it is today. And that you take a deep breath and think about that. It already feels really dizzying sometimes. Um, but that's probably the case with regard to how we have to manage our lives and our business today. And, and our, our decades of both experience and then also our research that we've done with clients, we've, we've looked at organizations and have basically said that there are three types of organizations. And to use a language that we can all use as a, a way to talk about that, we've reduced it to the chemical state. And we think about some organizations are a solid-state organization, and they look like an iceberg or a large piece of ice. They often are not very adaptable. They are organizations who have a culture that thinks very linearly and highly structured. They often become imprisoned by their processes and their culture and their desire to manage every ounce of risk out of um, something they'd like to try. And those organizations, as you might imagine, um, do the, if they don't change um, quickly, then they begin to actually uh, erode away. There are other organizations that look like a gaseous state. They are flippantly adaptable. They find um, new strategies or new products or new markets that they go after on somewhat of a whimsical notion, at least how employees experience that. And so they, they're constantly changing without a common core or um, sometimes it doesn't understand how this is own strategy, or is this part of our beliefs and our values? And that can be tough for an organization. It can be a big organization or a brand new one that behaves that way. But the real nirvana state for an organization is what we call a liquid state. And I would invite you and your listeners to think of a very graceful river. And a river is a constantly moving. It is readily adaptable. It sees um, change as an authentic opportunity, and while it may change its direction um, or shape sometimes, it remains fundamentally the same core. And whether it is a, uh, a new challenge or a new opportunity, it moves gracefully towards that. And so if you can imagine now, um, we often ask individuals and organizations to rate themselves, do you feel like you behave more like an iceberg? Um, uh, a gaseous state or a graceful river, and you know organizations are constantly trying to achieve the more liquid state. 
Okay. I love that metaphor of a graceful, peaceful river. There, a little bit of peace would not be bad in the current turbulent times. Okay, so if I buy your notion that the ideal place to be is in a liquid state where we can move and adapt and bend, but it's still authentic and we're still the same at the core, then as a leader, what does it mean that it's the most important thing for me to be doing? Yeah, there are. Well, we've we found that fundamentally, a leader needs to both set the conditions um, as an individual within a team, and then more broadly organizationally, um, and build capability in four key areas. And I'll say what those areas are, and then I'll come back and describe them. One is being dialed in. The second is being agile. The third is being transparent, and the fourth is pioneering. And so. An organization that's dialed in is an organization that anticipates and influences the marketplace. They have dialogue with their external and internal stakeholders, and they have intimate relationships and can influence the conversation with regard to that. An agile organization is one that quickly adapts and seizes opportunities. It's energized by growth and change. It's part of their DNA, um, and every part of the way that they build their organization and how they work is built around that. They they look for, they attract, they hire for, they manage, and they perform and recognize people who have that characteristic. Thirdly, they're transparent, which means that they're proactive, not reactive. Um, they're okay engaging in open and courageous conversations, even when they don't have all the answers. Um, and they they speak in very personal and human stories and messages as opposed to corporate speak and jargon. Um, and then finally, they're pioneering. So these are organizations that work to co-create new solutions, whether it would be with employees and across boundaries in organizations or with outside partners. Um, and they look to manage risk appropriately but not discourage them so much that they can't happen. They view setbacks as learning opportunities. We've, we've heard many famous organizations talk about fail forward or fail fast. And then they promote and reward the exploration and that calculated risk-taking so that they can learn rapidly from those opportunities. Okay, so let's come back to this notion. I want to highlight in the one transparent for just a moment. Sure. Proactive, not reactive, courageous conversations, human stories, and messages. So this gives me a sense of a leader that is willing to be much more forthcoming than we often think leaders will be. And the reason I say that is because often as a leader, you have a lot of information you cannot share with your group. Um, there's a lot of decision and discussion and debate that people feel is not appropriate to share, and they absolutely worry that it gets in the public press. What's your view? How do you strike the balance, or do you even bother anymore? Yeah, I think in today's you know transparency is a couple of things. One is to speak authentically, trying to over construct the story either externally or internally is so easily sniffed out in today's marketplace with regard to something that just is is not authentic um, or you see an individual or an organization saying something, but their actions don't align to those words. Um, there's a beautiful quote that I, I really love from Ralph Waldo Emerson who says, 
what you do speaks so loudly that I cannot hear what you say. Um, and to me, that in many ways is transparency. It is, if I'm going to say something, then I follow through with my words and my actions with regard to what that looks like. Um, to your point about it is difficult. There are, um, you may not have all the answers or there may be sensitive topics that need to be discussed, um, but you have worked hard to build trust and relationships with your key stakeholders so that they understand that. Um, you work hard to share information when you can um, so that it's not always on a need-to-know basis and you keep people in the dark until it, things are completely formed and baked, meaning that when, when you do have information, whether it's process about how things are moving or some pieces of information, you can share that when that's appropriate as well. All right, so we're right back to where we started at the beginning of this in many ways, and I have this notion of the leader in this liquid change environment um, having to be a bit more vulnerable, a bit more connected, really skilled in their communication so that people see them as authentic and genuine and the words and the actions do indeed match in everybody's judgment. Um, And out of that, creating a climate of trust, And then a willingness to let information decisions um, percolate throughout the organization rather than just hold it within a small group that will decide quite independently or separately. Yeah, I think that's I think that's correct. And maybe, you know, there's often a phrase that says it would be great um, to to allow everyone to have a voice or um, into this, but not everyone's going to have a vote. And and being able to listen to and engage in those voices is really important. Um, ideas get sharper and better, and unexpected solutions occur. And that that is in many ways about being much more open, transparent, and collaborative than organizations typically have been. I I love that. Have a voice in, but not necessarily have a vote. I think it's a distinction we often miss as we're leading organizations and teams and groups of people. That letting people have a say doesn't mean they let you let them decide. There's a lovely distinction between those two. I find people are most often willing to accept a decision, even if it goes against their wishes, if they feel they have been heard. And you're saying the same thing here. Correct. Okay. All right, so let's go back to one of the other um, qualities that you talked about, this notion about dialed in. And you talk about that in terms of a dialogue, anticipating and having a dialogue. I'm coming right back to the metaphor we used at the beginning with the notion of a fountain where there's a dialogue, a discussion among the people, a percolation, a sense of meaning making out of a message that has been communicated. Is there more to dialed in than that? I think so. I think it it, it is a. Um, and I'll give you a couple of examples. I think it is. Um, there's ways to be dialed in externally, and there's ways to be dialed in internally as well. And I often talk with leaders with regard to. You even begin to see this with there's so many companies today doing away with the annual performance review and becoming to, you know a much more real time more frequent conversations um, and using that to shape and almost apprentice behavior as opposed to wait till this climactic annual review the same could be said for organizations that continue to do 
annual employee engagement surveys are every two years. And I often share with my colleagues or, or clients, imagine if you were in a relationship with someone that you liked or loved, and they only asked you about how you felt once a year um, in a meaningful way. And I, I think in, in dialed in is one way to think about having a much more active thermometer or barometer with regard to the sentiment, uh, the feelings, and the commitment of your employees to the organization. On- All right. So, Tyler, I'm going to have to stop at this point because we're yeah. going to be out of time. If I just summarize a couple of things that string out for yeah. me, it's the notion that in today's environment, the communication needs to be much more human much more open to feelings and to connecting with people at feelings, much more vulnerable from a leader's point of view, and much more of a dialogue than we've ever seen before. So there's a bit of a give and take, that kind of constant feedback, listening in and putting it back out again. Um, And that's what it's going to take to lead organizations effectively today. Tyler, thanks for joining us. Much appreciate your comments. Thank you, Wanda. Um, next week, we're going to continue in this series about effective communication. I'm going to be joined by Joel Wald from McAlinden Associates. They happen to be one of my favorite communications training groups. And we're going to talk about Joel's experience in training and developing great communicators. What are the steps in improving your communication? How do you go from the message that you have into one that is human, transparent, and authentic? So please join us. Thank you again for joining us for Out of the Comfort Zone. Tune in again for another edition with Dr. Wanda Wallace next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Take charge this week.